Welcome to the Vassals of Kingsgrave, a community podcast. Today we are going to be discussing the 2021 animated series Arcane. The show is set in the world of the video game League of Legends by Riot Games, and the show was animated by the French studio Fortiche. And the show has been very well received, and it currently holds a 97% uh, score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 99.4 score on Metacritic. And uh, my name is Peter. I'll be your host today. I also go by Shellfish, and today I'm joined by Abby. Hi, Abby, Daisy Mormont, whatever. <laughs> and Zach. Hey, this is. Sorry, I muted. Let me restart. <laughs> this is Zach, also known as Alias, also known as Mr. Light in my League of Legends account. I'm not sure why. That's <laughs> okay. And uh, Alex? Howdy, this is Alex, also known as Lucky Charms. Also Lucky Charms on my League of Legends account. <laughs> Makes more sense. And Katie? Hi, this is Katie, formerly Lady Griffin, now dead leaves in my hand to usernames I regret yeah. equally. <laughs> I was um, what that was. <laughs> well, you can always change it if you don't like it, I suppose. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, and also joined by Dana. Who is still learning how to press the unmute button. <laughs> yeah. um, Kane Donner on the forums. No and League of Legends name. So far. And David? Hi, I'm David, and I was David HHH on the forums, and I still, I think, am on the Discord, and I don't know. <laughs> and I've never played League of Legends, so I'm nothing there. Cool. And we may be joined by Matt a little bit later on, and he'll just join us as we go. And uh, to start with, I thought we could go and give our ratings for this show briefly. And... uh just uh, we'll go in the same order as we went with the names, but just try and give other people time and space to sort of voice their voice their own rating, and you can chime in with comments and, and stuff, but try to limit your own rating to your own turn. So I'll go first, and uh, I'll give the show a five out of five, cause cause uh yeah, this was a really good show for me. It was definitely the fav- uh, my favorite piece of media that I consumed last year. It's just really kind of kind of got like swept up in it, and it, that rarely happens these days with stuff with me. And it was fun to be really into something for a while again. And I just really loved the the show, the animation, the music, and the characters. And it just really hit that sweet spot for me. And uh, Abby, what about you? Yeah, I'd also give it a five out of five. Um, like I, I wouldn't say it's like a perfect show, but I absolutely loved it. Um, and I think it was like almost as close to perfect as the show could get. Like there were some things I didn't like, but like honestly, I just really appreciated it. Um, I really appreciated that it was catered towards an older audience and not a mm-hmm. comedy for an animated show. Like that's super rare, and I, I want more of that. So that was like really brought it up for me. And also like I love steampunk so much mm-hmm. so i just i i absolutely loved the show cool yeah the audience thing is really a good point like at one point i think uh powder says no shit and that was one of those moments <laughs> for me at least yeah and um zach what about you what rating would you give the show 
I'd give it a five out of five too. I think um, it's probably the best show that I've watched this year. Certainly the best of any show that I've watched that came out this year. So yeah, I'd happily give it that rating. Um, just to contextualize my uh, I guess background with this thing is that I've been a League of Legends player for 12 years. I've played that game. I don't play it all the time. I really don't play it too much anymore, but I've played a lot of it. I've played like probably thousands of games of that that thing and uh it's brought me plenty of good moments but mostly bad ones it's not always the most fun game to play but it, it's always had really cool character concepts and i think that they did the right thing to make this show work of really just trying to bring out the coolness of the character concepts the coolness of the world concepts that they've created and to to actually like take that and make it into a really good story and I was I was honestly pretty shocked by how good it was because uh, video games typically do not get good adaptions. Usually they get really awful adaptions. Like I can't think of anything that was really even like good, <laughs> like just like good. And this was great. So it really uh really shocked me and surprised me how amazing it was. Yeah, even like a three out of five. I can't really think many of those because like the <laughs> way I approached this was like that uh, Dota show that came out a little while ago as well dragon's blood or something i think it was called and that was just <laughs> that was not good not good at all and i was kind of comparing or being very hesitant to like this show at, at the beginning and it was very very good obviously and yeah i uh have some experience with league of legends from the past i've gone to look at these sort of concept art and stuff but what you said about the that it did a really good job of like using that world and those characters and kind of like um, showcasing them in a perfect light, I suppose, like cutting out some of the more silly stuff, I guess. Cool. And Alex, would you like to give your rating? I will be seditious and give it a 4.5. Uh, just scribbling over minor <laughs> things, but, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I haven't felt this kind of Thaumatsane uh, and awe since probably into the Spider-Verse. I know a lot of people have kind of echoed that sentiment of just like mouth agog and awe at the the technical skill and the craftsmanship and the panache. Um, yeah, I played a lot of League in college and then I stopped because it wasn't good for my mental health. <laughs> I've played a lot with Zach on this, this same call, but uh, yeah. Cool. And uh... Was it the game itself or the other players that weren't good for your mental health? It was mostly me. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Oh, I mean, he's too afraid to say because I've gaslit <laughs> oh. him so much. Playing with friends is delightful, but yeah, just <clears throat> grinding for a ranked achievement is just a miserable, miserable experience. I've been brought back into the fold the past few months. We have been playing just because of Arcane and. Uh, just very relaxed, like not tryharding at all. Yeah, I think that is the way to approach it. Cool. And uh, Katie, would you like to give your rating for the show? Sure, I'll give it a five, like everyone else. Um, I, I would agree with Abby that it's it's very refreshing to have a show that takes itself seriously and isn't humor based. I've developed a real aversion to to quip humor that's pretty much <laughs> like the basis for all like contemporary American entertainment. Um, and I think that's what I appreciate the most about it. And like the animation is startling, startlingly beautiful. 
in the micro details, but I don't think any of that would have made as much of an impression if the story wasn't also really good. Um, all the characters are strongly motivated. Everyone has vulnerability. It's yeah, it's it's I was I was kind of unim- not unimpressed, but like unengaged during the first two episodes. But then that third episode just kind of comes out of nowhere <laughs> and completely changes the, the rest of the show. And after that, I was hooked. And it's it's been a long time since I've I've watched something twice over. And I I definitely binged this twice in a row and was was kind of hooked on it like in my head for for many weeks afterwards. Um, so, yeah, I agree. It was it was among the best things I watched last year. Cool. Yeah, that's the idea about the creep-based uh, entertainment, like mostly Marvel Marvel stuff. Yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from there, and I do agree Is with that. Is that parlance of Whedon dialogue, I think it's called? Yeah, Whedon I, speak, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also was, like, a bit unengaged at the beginning, but it's, like, I, I didn't really care, because I find that steampunk, or, like, I don't know if it's, this isn't steampunk, but the 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 genres that spawn from like this kind of Victorian class struggle thing that I don't know how to explain it. They're all it's kind of punk, some kind of it's punk, like punk, it's like sure. punk, something based off of Victorian aesthetic. They all have the exact same plot, like all the exact same like character beats and plots and like, Oh, the, the class struggles and the, like this character has this motivation, but I don't really care. I love it, but it is like, it, it can be a bit, unengaging i guess it's, it's very tropey i guess but i didn't really care about that <laughs> cool and uh dana would you like to give your rating uh four out of five i really really love the animation style it impressed me from the get-go the fight scenes were great i was a bit afraid it would do a bit too much of like that into the spider-verse like changing um animation styles but it only did it like once or twice and when they did it it was quite amazing and they made it their own um it changed i thought it was going one sorry what was that word you used what kind of animation style i like the changing animation style so like changing oh yeah yeah but real like kind of foregrounding the animation and saying kind of like look look at what we can do yeah, in, instead of changing a lot, they just, like, really focused on, like, their style, and by, like, the second or third fight scene, they just kept getting better and better. Um, it took me a while to turn my brain off with, like, oh, great, crazy girl trope, because the way that they portrayed Jinx, but by the end of, like, especially part two, I found myself, like, okay, I see what they're doing here now, it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Um, but yeah, overall, super enjoyed it, uh, quite unexpectedly. Cool. And, um, David, your rating? Okay. I'd probably, that's a little tough. I, it was really good. I'd probably give it somewhere around a four and a half to four and three quarters. Um, the, as, as everyone has said, the animation is amazing looking. Um, I haven't seen anything that looks quite like it other than maybe actual video games. Um, but it worked really well stylistically and looked so realistic while still clearly being animation, like, which is something interesting to pull off. Um, and story wise, I liked it. There's so much world building and, and a, a, a lot of characters. If, if I were to take anything away, I think 
there were so many characters who didn't really get fully fleshed out that it kept it made it a little difficult for me at times to keep up with who was who and what was really going on yeah. which characters um, were those could would you say an example i mean a, a lot of them i mean there were a lot of times where i was just looking and like wait who was this again what was going on here and i, I wasn't even just like one or two it was like like half of them <laughs> you know i think just that some of them weren't fully fleshed out there were there were just so many characters that i think they tried to throw a lot into nine up nine you know 40 minute episodes worth of story so I think that was what hurt it a little bit in that I think quite a few of the characters we, we didn't really get much of at all. And I'm not sure why, but, you know, it might have just been I mean, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with having great characters and lots of them. But I felt like they were trying to do too many things that didn't all. Yeah, I can see that. that you know what I mean? A lot of characters. But, what, right, but what they did was really good. And I liked it. And especially the main characters that we got time with, you know, and I think also one of the other things I would say about the timing is that I felt like the relationships we saw were kind of rushed a little that I didn't quite buy them all, you know, that I didn't feel them. Like it's sort of like you're telling me you're in a relationship rather than showing it building. I felt like, you know, a couple of times, but otherwise, I mean, it's great. I don't, I don't want it to focus on the negative. Like I really, which like kind of, which uh, relationship did you feel like were sort of like more, more tell than show? I mean, on some level, all of them, <laughs> but particularly um, Vi and what's her name? See, Caitlin. Like Caitlin. Yeah, Vi, Vi and Caitlin. I didn't. I they they seem to be like talking one moment and the next moment they're in a relationship, and I was like, where did that come from? Are they? Oh, is, David, are they going you need there to, or not? Are you they need to talk to not? more lesbians. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like we just met and we're moving in. Second date, <laughs> moving truck. <laughs> I do agree with that in general. I think that just generally speaking with everything they did in this season, I think one more episode would have done a lot of work mm -hmm. to tie it all together. Um, yeah, I just think, I just think it like, there was just like that little hint of like things that felt like they weren't fully fleshed out for sure. Just, just overall. Right. Yeah. yeah the pacing, the pacing is utterly relentless in act two yeah. and three. Like I think three days are supposed to pass in that time frame. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's just a lot. I hadn't heard the time frame or the supposed time frame. It's cool. Good to know going forward. And uh, Matt, welcome to the podcast. And uh, would you like to give your rating? Uh, sure. Um, I was I was hesitant to give it a a five, but it seems like a bunch of people have already done so. So. But you don't Why? you don't have to go with the group. You can give your own rating. <laughs> give it a well, two. No, if you want. It was basically choose. It was basically choosing between you know like five or like four point seven five. But like you know, fine, five. Like it's <laughs> it's as good as like some of the stuff I really like this year with with Loki and Squid Game and stuff like that. So why not? I'm not like I feel like enough people have talked. I'm not going <laughs> to expound yeah. at the moment. <laughs> okay, cool. That's that's fine as well. Um, yeah. We, I figured we could go briefly talk about the art style and the animation. We did a little bit of that earlier during Dana's review, but but um, did anyone else have any sort of like standout moments for them in the animation that really like made you kind of do a double take or like, wow, <laughs> like marvel at the art or something like that? It's a lot of micro twitches in the faces is what blows me away. 
like it's not just that the that the animation is well blocked it's just that like you can see these tiny fluctuations of emotions like from second to second and characters eyeballs which is like i'm it's it's impressive like i i there's definitely been a few scenes that i've like looked like like studied gifs on online just in and how impressed it like how much emotion can be put into a single expression um but if i had to point out like one sequence that i did watch a lot on on a youtube was the uh the fight scene on the bridge between echo and Mm -hmm. jinx where the animation style changes it's just so cool (laughs) i love that scene oh my god yeah that's fucking awesome and the song as well yeah the song is great but also just like what's being communicated and the shift between like the child drawings and with the animal like totems in the background and then it shifts and gets like the music cuts out and it's quick it's it's gorgeous it's 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 creative and evocative so yeah that's probably the scene that i think about the most in terms of what blew me away What's especially cool about that scene, and I won't spoil anything too much, but I'll just say, like, it's thematically appropriate to Echo as a character, too. So it's not just, like, we're going to change up the animation style to make a cool fight. It's it's specific to this character and and who he is, so that is that is fun. I have to say, I, I think the color was really, really good. Like, I don't know how to explain this, but the stuff with, a lot of the stuff with, like, Jinx, you know, and her aesthetic with the um the neons, like even though I wasn't in a room with a blacklight, they just they were able to get this aesthetic or style where I I felt like there was a blacklight in my computer. Yeah. I don't know how to explain this, but I just I was really blown away by the the way that they used the color and stuff. So I I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like before, Arcane, I um, my primary exposure to League of Legends was this one music video that features Jinx. It's called um, Get Jinxed. It's a song that also plays in one of the episodes, but it definitely plays a lot with Jinx and her neon aesthetic, and I always loved that music video and the song as well. And yeah, it's uh, definitely cool. I think using... um, It reminds me a lot of cell shading, but it's done quite differently because it's in 3D and and that kind of thing. And I've been sick of cell shaded stuff since like a scanner darkly in the early 2000s because something about <laughs> that art style just, I don't know, it just gives me nausea. Like <laughs> I just get really sick of looking at it really quickly. But with this one, their use of it was amazing. And even with like the really bright colors, like the contrast and especially like the underworld and like the neons. At no point did I get that kind of like ugh feeling. Um, <laughs> so to be able to do that, I think is really impressive. And yeah, like Katie was saying, just the micro kind of expressions on the face. It's the first time I've seen that done for a Netflix show. Like if you compare it to something like Castlevania, so like another game adaption that's gone hard on like an anime aesthetic. Um, Arcane is just animated at such a, a top tier level nothing against castlevania the fight scenes in castlevania are fun and bloody and gruesome as well but there's something really visceral in the arcing like fight scenes that you don't get in castlevania yeah it's Probably definitely on another level would, would a show like dragon prince is that cell shading or is that um uh, what's it called like mocap or something um you know where they like move around and then they animate over 
the like real people movement or is that a different style of animation because I'm not very familiar with 3D animation thingies um it could be both because so you can do like mocap and then the way that it's transferred over using like cell shading you can use mocap to do like Valg essentially so um it could be both I haven't watched the Dragon Prince though so I have no idea um they use mocap a lot now in games especially like the last of us 2 um it was used quite extensively to get all those tiny little facial characteristics that made it um as heart-wrenching as my two housemates that held each other and cried through most of it <laughs> um, oh so i think that arcane probably has a leg up on a lot of other this show has to have been very expensive <laughs> i feel like that like the money is on the screen i feel like unless they just have like some secret technology over there at their studio that they're not sharing with the rest of the world there has to have been a lot of uh resources available to them that might have not have been available to other productions it is not actually because there was really an interview this week with one of the lead animators uh it was a podcast, and it's like two hours long. And uh, because what they do is everything is just painted 2D backgrounds and then interpolate, like, the 3D characters onto the screen. And that is way cheaper than, like, actually modeling everything in a 3D environment. So you need, like, legions of talented artists, but it is pretty cheap. That's impressive. I will say I think Arcane has spoiled animation for me because immediately after I finished Arcane, I started watching One Piece, which like obviously came out in the <laughs> 90s and the animation is it's better now. And I'm in the, 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 the 2000s era where they started not using um, hand drawn animation. But like, oof, that was a really rough transition going from such nice animation to like lots of still frame shots. Oof. In terms of like visceral moments and action, I think my favorite moment with regard to that is like I can't remember the name of the person she's fighting, but when Vi's in the bar fighting that that person, someone uh, Savika. Savika, um, and like she like goes over to the bar to get like a drink and just like teleports over it. Like I, I like that use of like removing frames from it. I don't know, just like it it, mm-hmm. it just creates this really powerful effect for me. I'd also say, too, that it's not just the animation and the art style that makes this work. I think there's also just, like, a level of direction to it that not a lot of animated stuff always has. Like, there's just, like, use of, like, camera angles and the way scenes are framed. Like, if you watch that first chase sequence in episode one, when they're escaping and going back down to the Undercity, like, there's so many cool camera angles there that just make it feel way more, I don't know, heightened than it normally would if there was just, like, a regular wide angle of them running around. And I think yeah, in general, a, that, there... that adds a lot. Sorry, yeah, there's a shot where like they all hit the wall right before they go into yeah. the alley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. It's good. Yeah, no, some of that is is kind of why that that whole bridge sequence like is my favorite sequence. Like it's not just it's not just the Echo Jinx showdown. It's it's the lead up to that with the the choice to to zoom out for like the various um, fireflies where it looks like just like fireworks going off on the bridge. Really like that choice, and they did the same with kind of the explosions at the end, and you. Kind of get the repeat of the just the shot of Jinx's boot, boots like walking through the carnage. Like it's just a lot of creativity that was brought into this. It's just truly impressive. I was going to say like from like the first um, like alley chase scene, um, every fight scene or every kind of like high intensity scene has like an oh shit moment where they just like up the stakes <laughs> and it's like yeah. it changes it slightly and all of a sudden 
like those directorial decisions like really hit home like they just no not hit home hit a home run there we go right <laughs> analogy metaphor whatever um yeah and they don't happen when i always expect it but they're always so enjoyable it took me a while to get used to the animation particularly in the fight scenes you know the style of it because there were I, I definitely like it first felt a little lost as i was doing it and part of it's because i know nothing about this world but like it took me a while to like orient myself and orient where the camera is and where it was bouncing around quickly and stopping into still frames after motion and whatever. But once I got once I got used to it, I appreciated it more. <laughs> but I mean, it definitely all looks gorgeous. So. <laughs> there is a shot that's kind of burned into my brain where it's Vandron when he's when he's finally been unleashed and he's walking down the, the gangplank to fight off the it's in the third episode and like he's he, he goes to punch a dude and it's like the camera like revs back with his arm and then he just launches into the dude's rib. I was like, that's so good. <laughs> it's oh, like, yes. oh, oh yeah. There's a, I think there's a shot like that in the, in my favorite scene, which is a uh, Viva and Jace versus the chem tanks in the factory where mm-hmm. they both first use the uh, hex tech weapons there. And, uh, that's such an awesome scene, and I think there's a, a shot where Vi kind of like revs up the gauntlet and also kind of just hits someone in the ribs. Yeah, I, that's probably my favorite scene too, and I think a lot of it is the music that plays there. I just love that song, and it adds a lot to the to the sequence. But there is that one part where Vi is like throwing body blows at the one chem tank thing, and it's just it's just so viscerally satisfying. Like it's just like it brings me joy every time I see that little part. Yeah, and then they show like the gauge on the gauntlet, like the going overload, and <laughs> it's so fucking yeah, yeah. good. And uh, yeah, and the song as well, saying "You're a snake, you're a snake, I can see it in your face," is very thematically appropriate. When that's, that scene is all about like having fun with violence, and then it ends with the kid dying, and it's like, oh yeah, we're fighting real people here. <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful scene. Consequences. Uh, any any thoughts about the character designs? Okay, so I tried to look this up because it's kind of <laughs> creepy to me, but Jinx is so hot. And, like, <laughs> is she over 18? Like, I look, like, she Nobody has, knows. She Nobody has so knows. Much, so, much si- questions. so much side boob going on. Like, she's so hot. <laughs> and I'm like... I don't know how old she is, and it's kind of creepy. creepy. <laughs> this has been this is the question that's been plaguing fanfic writers <laughs> for like the past few months. I think Alex, like do you the, know? Huh? You know, I was wondering if like Alex knew because I don't know if there's like think, lore in the uh, game. Amanda Overton and her like Twitter Q and A's were like, we don't even know. <laughs> I <laughs> have, like, Fair she's, enough. I think she's like between 18, seventeen and nine and nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but like, she's so much side boob going on, and I'm like, <laughs> I really enjoy this character design, but also I feel really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> she's fine. animated. She doesn't exist. You're okay. <laughs> I do appreciate that, like a lot. Just it, it's a small thing, but like so many body types, so many different like races and ethnicities of characters. Everyone, it's just a very like nobody has the same face, I guess. It's like it's it's a lot of diversity of um, not just like superficially. It's just interesting character design. Like 
I, I like Mel's mom, <laughs> especially, who's just this giant Amazon of a woman with like these like yeah. biceps yeah. the size of watermelons. Like yeah. stuff like that is cool. Like Savika is probably my favorite character design. Her and like just like her metal arm and she has like these glassy gray eyes. It's but she's also very pretty and feminine, even though she's just like this roadhouse demolisher of men. <laughs> <laughs> No, I so really go, appreciate like, yeah, I agree with that. I like all the different character yeah. and body types. Like one of my like minor standout characters is the warden at Steelwater Prison. Now the guy at the desk, like he's like looks like a fucking just, like big orc or something like, <laughs> like that. I, I guess he's not very very like um realistic human, but kind of cool character design still. I I loved. I don't know the character's name, but one of the the council women, she's got this like clock thing yes. that like picks Always around moves. her neck yes, and then the, so the like cool. and then these like little things on like these uh rings on her fingers that make like claws i really i thought that was such, like all the clothing i mean that's part of the steampunk aesthetic like oh my god right. love that but you, I, I, I love like the more the sort of like the tilt over shiny steampunk or the gr- grungy mm, i love fantasy. it both. i love it both i'm like i have this i have very two very conflicting aesthetics that i love and they don't go together at all. It's the same with like I love like Victorian things and I love modern things and none of it goes together. But I like them both. It it just it depends on my mood, I guess. <laughs> I will say something that's kind of cool is that a lot of these character designs people are mentioning are not from the game. Like they're completely new characters that they've created, and I'm sure some of them will be imported into the game at some point. But it kind of shows that they're not using that as as a pure reliance. Like we need to figure out how to fit every single character there and that's all that we're going to use and they in fact are able to create lots of new stuff I'll also say too that like caitlin like her character design in the game is awful and they made it way better in the in the show they actually made her look distinct and interesting oh, oh she's, she's a hottie 100%. such yeah, a hottie she was like a corset in the uh, original game design and kind of like a lot of those like bikini babes in the league of legends uh, <laughs> character yeah. roster it's sort of I don't know anything about League of Legends. I do kind of like that there's like this unexplained Star Wars essence to the show and that there's just sometimes like non human people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there there's like the, the fish guy in the underworld who gives them lunch and there's a robot man on the council and then uh Heimniger is Heimniger. like a, a, a hamster man. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's weird. It comes out of nowhere, but I have it, decided but it works. he is a cousin of Gizmer. He is definitely a monster. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's <laughs> where my mind went as well. There's a cool like uh, shark guy who's part of the uh, the fire the firelights. He's like the the number 2. <laughs> like it's just strange it's just it's, it's interesting that it's just like not something that's ever explained it's like i guess they're just non-human people in this world and wasn't the and, guy a bat yeah he's like a bat shark person <laughs> uh, <laughs> he looks cool um i also yeah, love definitely. victor's character design um and i like as it goes on like they they change him so you can see his like health deteriorating and everything and just victor's also a hottie <laughs> <laughs> All the characters are hotties, okay? <laughs> and how many different characters Figure do they have to have an excuse to show shirtless? That, like... Mel is definitely a hottie. Like, if we're Mel talking, is like... a hottie. Okay. She's got this cool makeup that she wears. Like, It's so random, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's... gold dust. Okay, everyone, which character do you most want to hook up with? 
Mel. <laughs> Bye. I'll go with Jace. Yeah, just have silence off to me. That's fine. <laughs> so, um, so I was going to say, like, Victor's hot in the same way that, like, John Keats was seen in Pilots. That's, that's, like, TB um, aesthetic. Oh, it's very, like, very heroin chic. Like, very, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the one thing with Victor was, I don't know if this is, like, my being an American and I've been primed by media, but, like, anyone with a distinctly, like, Russian German sounding accent I was like oh is he a bad guy and I I was I was texting my friend they like for most of the show and I was like I, can't, I like Victor but is he bad like I can't yeah. I can't figure it out and and I'm like and I, I'm like I don't know if that's like they just did good storytelling or if I've just been primed to think that anyone with a vaguely Soviet or Nazi sounding accent is a bad person especially if they're a scientist right yeah I figured he was especially if they're played by episode. Harry Lloyd that too, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're kind of already crossed into characters by talking about character design. So let's just take the plunge and start talking about characters more in depth. So Can I ask something about is... that? Sure. Can I ask a question, sure. which is just how many of these characters or which ones, or at least of the major ones, are actually from the game and how many are new? Because I have no concept, so... Oh, that's, that's just like a whole list of all the game characters? Actually, something it's... that I figured that we'd kind of like not go into because um, the... Uh, game characters may contain some spoilers about the futures of these characters. So I figured that maybe we wouldn't go into that. But yeah, I'd appreciate it. if we stayed away from anything that might spoil future character arcs and stuff, but um, I can also just like hop no, off. That is like you guys... the only reason I am on this call. Okay, well. We might uh, at the end talk about like, and not put it on the episode itself, talk about like the um, canon stuff in the game and stuff like that, if people have, are interested in that. but Or we could make it an epilogue with a big, huge spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah, that, that might as, yeah, if it's good stuff, like, we might include it in there as well. If you guys want to talk about it now, though, I can leave, and then one of you can just like send a message in the chat. Abby, like, don't go. Yeah, don't go. I, I figured we here. Talk about talk about the show's characters now, so I'd um, I'd ask you a question. Who is the main character of this series? I would say it's Clagger. Vi. <laughs> <No. laughs> I think it's, it's Vi. It's Vi. The two P, it's the two I mean, it's Vi and James. Like, but like, they but show like, you at the beginning of every episode. Right. But like, I think Vi is more like she, like Jinx is a main character in the sense that like it's about her, but like Vi is the re it drives I think most of the character act like I don't know how to explain this, but like I feel like Vi is she is the hero. Is She's connected the, to every main central character point. basically at some point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But She's, I wouldn't say Jinx is not a main character. I just think Vi is like the main main character. Jinx has a more dramatic character arc than Vi. Mm -hmm. Um even though I think Vi is the more stereotypical protagonist. She's the more like she's not like a good person but like i don't know she's not demented like like <laughs> some of the other members of the cast uh so what did you guys all think about the vibe i mean she's i like hot. her she's fine she's hot <laughs> like <laughs> i think yeah, that's like a very that. she, yeah, she's definitely she's very... go ahead abby no, no you go you go okay okay um yeah i think she's definitely like 
she's fine. Like, I don't find her particularly compelling compared to other characters just because her, like I said, like, I find, like, the characters that are more fucked up to be more interesting. Um, (laughs) Whereas she's generally, like, she has a, she has an uncorruptible love for her sister that obviously, like, she, she has, like, one moment of weakness that basically ruins both of their lives but <laughs> yeah. like apart from that problem. like she 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 has like her integrity is not corrupted like she she still believes in vander she still she still believes in her sister like she's fine <laughs> like i guess she's cool she's she's a good character but like like i said she's not like uh she's not she doesn't draw me in or like prompt me to think about her as much as the other characters yeah, I think she's a very she's a she's an archetype like she is the protagonist archetype for this genre where, you know, it's like, oh, she's the rough and tumble, you know, from the lower class. And she is the one who, you know, she doesn't take no shit. And like she's just very stereotypical. Yeah, which like I, I, yeah, which I don't yeah. mind. I love I like that archetype. It's just that she she's very. I don't want to say like one dimensional, but like I, I know what her beats are going to be. And and I don't I don't care that I know that, it, I guess it, it's very. It, it's like the same reason I like anime a lot is like, you know, this character is this trope and that's fine. And I still like them, you know, but she's um, usually she's usually the character who speaks truth to power. Like in like after she and Jace like kill that kid. uh, She's the one who's like, you know, our kids die all the time down here. Are you going to really like have a like you're gonna lose your spine just because like you've witnessed death for the first time like she she has like a i guess like a clash a class consciousness that comes through and i think that's interesting um i mean because that's like at the core of what the show is about um but yeah abby sorry did i interrupt you no it's like exactly she she dunks on all the rich people and i love it you know it's it's very I don't think that she's she's like a, a new type of character that I've never seen before, but I, I still like it. Yeah, I agree with what you said, that she is quite archetypal. and um, But I feel like she's good in that role. And uh, I quite like, as I said earlier, my favorite scene is one of her fight scenes in the factory. And uh, another one of my favorite scenes is uh, in the with the fight with Savika in the last drop in the last episode. And... Um, and that sort of like vision that Vi has of Vander, and uh, like Vander says that, like urges her to get up and keep fighting, and says that she still needs you. They all do, and uh, I guess I like that relationship between Vi and Vander in general. It was very touching, and uh, and it was stereotypical as well, but it was uh, well done, and I really appreciated it. It's unusual to have that kind of like shown in an like shown in anime like relationship between like a a girl fighter and like her male mentor. I do like that about her. And then we had another main character in this show. Would anyone like to talk about Jinx a little bit? Yes. She's the best. I mean, I don't think the character would be as interesting if we didn't witness the fall. And mm-hmm. it makes like I've watched it. I've watched reactions of that scene, like in episode three, where her sister punches her in the face and calls yeah. her a jinx. And every reaction I've watched, people always either like cover their faces or gasp or just shake their heads because it's like watching it's like watching like the corruption of a Star Wars character or something. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like there's no coming back for this. Like this is 
this is the wound that is going to define who you are as a person for the rest of your life. And the voice actress in that scene for the little girl is incredible. Like gut wrenching, listening her scream after her sister, like come back. I need you. Don't leave me. Um, And I think because of that, like it's when you see how far she's fallen in like the next episode where she (laughs) shoots somebody in the back and just kind of Mm -hmm. tilts her head at it. Bird like, like she's not like moved by the fact that she's just killed someone. It's, it's interesting. Um, and you understand how she's kind of landed in this place of just being completely twisted and, but still like, like a sad wounded person. Like she has moments where she, like when she, she miss when she's, uh, working on her doomsday device or whatever, and it, it kind of blows up in her face and it, it knocks down like her, her dolls that she's built of her dead friends. <laughs> and she just kind of starts crying. She's like, no, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. It's, it's like it's a it's a consistent portrayal of trauma. So like it, it's, it's kind of like powder sort of resurfacing in that scene. Yeah, and that's her conflict, right? It's like who are you going to be? And at the end of the at the very end of the season, it's decided. It's like no, I'm Jinx. Powder is dead. Yeah, I think my favorite part about Jinx is actually her relationship with Silco because I found that to be very fascinating, and I I like that dynamic of the um like he has a soft spot for her. And the the father daughter relationship between that and then how like that contrasts with her relationship with um Vi and stuff and like the differing family. Um, and I liked Jinx a lot, but um, I don't think I was as compelled. Like I think that she's a really good character, but I, I don't know if she was like my favorite character. I think I didn't find her as compelling, but I I really enjoyed her relationship with Silco. Yeah, I feel like at times they kind of went a little too far in the look, she's crazy department. But otherwise, I liked her character and her arc, especially at the end where it went. Yeah, I will say that kind of the the ending of episode three was was like really it was one of the only times in the show that I was I was worried about whether I would like the show. I, I mean, I literally said out loud after that sequence between the Vi and, and powder split. I was like, Oh, you guys were doing so well. Right. <laughs> I, I just, I just thought it was, it was going towards uh, a more stereotypical storyline with, with the other yeah, character that gets just so easily and illogically uh, moved over to kind of the antagonistic side of, of things. But I mean, I, my, my fears were like immediately alleviated in, in episode four, which, which thankfully I only, I came to this and after the, the second set had dropped, so I could just go immediately from one to the next. But, you know, I, I was, I was happy with the fact that she was still, um, conflicted throughout the show and that she just, you know, it didn't just blindly follow whatever Silco and stuff, you know, was just saying. And, and yeah, I found that, that dynamic to be much more interesting than I expected it to be. Um, and yeah, I really like the back and forth and kind of her, her chaotic nature where it's, just, you know, she's, she's clearly just making, you know, her own decisions, um, in the moment, which I thought was, was very important for the, um, kind of enjoyability of that character. Yeah. I also enjoyed all the sort of the drama around Jinx, but just also the kind of like the funny lines and all this stuff, like she's making connection to the realm of heebie-jeebies and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And um, I suppose like Jinx is very much this kind of uh, archetype of the sort of quirky, crazy girl that um, I suppose mm-hmm. Harley Quinn might be from DC mm-hmm. Comics might be another example of that kind of character archetype. But 
I do believe Jinx is a more enjoyable character than Harley Quinn, at least the uh, the um, portrayals that I've seen of Harley Quinn. But how do you feel? How do you guys feel about that archetype in general of like that uh, funny or hot, crazy, quirky girl? I have so many opinions. Yes, <laughs> I know, right? Well, okay. Oh, yeah, before you go, I mean, see that, like that's the thing where it's just like I know, I know the instinct is is to is to kind of like say like oh yeah, you know, it's just I've seen this character before, but like I I just I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Where it's I feel like they did enough um, creative and individualistic stuff that like this doesn't you know this doesn't just feel like bland the same thing over and over again. But like I mean that you know there's not a lot. I can point to um, concretely, like it's just it's just kind of a feeling about it. That, oh yeah, I feel, I, I feel like they, as I said, I feel, feel they did the drama very well in Arcane, but I feel like the character herself from League of Legends from way back all those years ago is definitely based on Harley Quinn, or at least inspired by Harley Quinn. Oh well, yeah, for for sure, I, I would say so. But like, I mean, I also, you know, stuff we've gotten from from Margot Robbie and and especially the Harley Quinn animated series is is excellent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm um. I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah. I don't I, necessarily I see it as a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think, like, I, I might, like, find it annoying if if the character I didn't think was was complicated and conflicted. Because right. she's not, like, she's not, cons- like, she has moments of uh, regret and tension and indecision and softness, like, when she re- reunites with her sister, like, it's she's constantly being pulled in two different directions. And I also think it makes sense how she ends up the way she is, because like she's taken in by a gangster and basically indulged for the next like, what, 12 years of her life to just indulge, like do whatever violence she sees fit, building bombs or whatever. It kind of makes sense that like this wounded person who is like, I don't know what the right word is, but basically being told by like her very demented father figure. Yeah. Go out, like blow people up. Like she might end up. In, <laughs> yeah. Like, you're in perfect. This, yeah. She'd end up in this psychotic state. Um, yeah. I think she's a well-drawn enough character that I don't mm-hmm. think she fits like in like a, I don't know, like a negative stereotype or trope or anything, even though like there's definitely shades of Harley Quinn and stuff, but Harley Quinn herself is not a bad character. She's a, right. she's a sympathetic woman. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think the description of her as chaos actually works really well for her because she's un, unpredictable and not not. I don't think it's as random though. I think it's the result of all her trauma. You know, I think I think it's well defined in that way. Dana raised her hand. Dana, please go ahead. You said you had a lot of a lot of things to say about this. I do. One, I. When she got punched, my first reaction is she should have been punched a lot more often because she's an obnoxious little shit. And <laughs> Tell like but it. I say this because I am the oldest child, and <laughs> you know, I, I think it might just be big sister vibes um, in me. <laughs> but um, comparing to her to Harley Quinn is, I don't think bad because like the best episodes of like Batman the Animated Series were the ones that were about Harlequin. There's one where she almost leaves the Joker with the aid of Batman, but goes back. And there's another one where she's just got out of Arkham and she's trying to go shopping and trying to pay for something and everything goes wrong and Batman gets called in and he realizes that she's done nothing wrong and kind of lets her go. And it just shows, both of them just show her like vulnerability, but also 
her complexity as well. And it's good to, that Jinx was at all times like those two episodes of Harlequin, if that makes sense. Like it, it is very clear that where she is is so deeply rooted in trauma and attaching to the wrong person at the time that she was most vulnerable, right? Um, I just, I don't know. I just, you got punched in the face for being an impulsive little shit. So you're going to spend like the rest of your time being an impulsive little shit. Like, <laughs> I mean, she did kill also... her friends. <laughs> and like her father as well, as far as she I knows. know, but like learn your lessons. Um, but but she only wanted to help. When... And then her sister left her in the you rain while she, was, and while she was screaming for her to come back. Then maybe never try and do an impulsive thing again. Maybe she was like 11. <laughs> I know. Well, if, if I she blew hadn't up been two of my best friends when I was 11, I don't know if I would ever recover. <laughs> well, the whole point is like she was taken in by Silco, who like nurtured these impulse, impulse, this impulsivity that she had. Whereas if she was in a non-corrupt environment, like or a non, uh, what is the word? Uh, when you convince someone to do someone at something else, like a, I can't think of the word. Like a rehabilitation. Manipulative? No, no, no. What what Silco is is he is manipulative. manipulative. Thank you. I my brain is not working right now. Um, if she was not in a manip such like this manipulative environment, then she probably would have learned her lesson. But like, like you said, she was taken in in her most vulnerable moment, and so therefore, this this impulsivity was nurtured, whereas it should have been quelled. <laughs> right. I mean, he's groomed her to be this, so. You know, she she became what he wanted her to become. He t- he brought out the worst kind sides in her. Detriment to his own business as well, because like especially yeah. In yeah. The, like episode four or five, it's mentioned a couple of times that like this is not the first time she's fucked up. But he, he loves her, her so be, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, he groomed her to be himself, right? Like, right, right. He wanted her to like fit into, so he wouldn't be alone with like his abandonment issues. He's like, I need you to believe that the world is evil, and it's just us because that's how I feel all the time. <laughs> oh, even with like, the Harlequin, like Harlequin stuff as well. Like Harlequin gets made because she's like dipped in the same acid as the Joker, right? Yeah. And like Silco does the same thing to Jinx later on in the series, which is just like, oh, dude, not cool. He's my <laughs> oh, favorite yeah, cool. character. Like, uh, just on Jinx, still, we can go into Silica next, but how much do you think that the Shimmer treatment that she got uh, in the third act, how much that affected her? Like, um, did that change her personality, or was she always going to be headed there? I could not no, tell. No, you can't. I, yeah. No, you can't. Like, that That just takes away from the character. You can't make that. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell. Like, I understood that they were like, okay, it's going to do something to her, but I don't think that they really expanded on what it did to her, but I assume that's because it will come out later. But, because right now it seems like the consequences were none. (laughs) Yeah, it turned her uh, eyes, like, purple, and I guess she gets some magic, more superpowers a little bit from it, maybe. I mean, she's, like, super fast in in the whole, like, serial killer scene where they're all strapped to the table. And yeah, but yeah, I guess it's as Matt said, it would kind of diminish the character arc if that was more the reason for her personality change. 
it just gives her like a plus one to her stats. Like she's a little right. braver, she's a little stronger. Yeah, yeah a I felt paranoid. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I felt like the Shimmer just like brought out people's yeah um, attributes more. So with Xander, it was like, yes, he is now super strong. And with Jinx, it's like, well, she was always like that little speed demon, and now she's even quicker. Oh, that's interesting. I just sort of thought it made everyone like a monster, like the guy they tested on at first. And Vander were sort of similar, but yeah, I guess strength would have been their well, highest attribute for both of those guys, maybe. It makes the men into monsters, and it makes the women sexier. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to order 500 gallons of it. It only works if you're a named character. Say, does that speak to the chemical or your interpretation of sexy? <laughs> I mean, well, Savika takes it and nothing happens to her and Jinx gets pumped full of it and she doesn't get hulked out. It's just Vander and uh, that blonde dude from episode three. Yeah, I get the impression that they can like perfect the formula over the years. So it's less harmful and le- you get less hulky from it. Or That makes sense. Although that one I civilian mean, guy totally did like... have like crystals growing on his face from overuse. Well, the civilians aren't going to get the good stuff. Come on, man. You got to uh, delete it. <laughs> like, how else is going to turn a profit? Your... Like, cut that shit down. <laughs> cut, it with bi- cut it with bipod soda. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> exactly what it was. Sorry. Sorry, but would anyone like to talk about um, uh, Jinx's father? Which one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who's her real father? <laughs> it's Silco, of course. I mean, I enjoyed him. Like, okay, big question first of all. They never say what specifically it was that made Vander try to drown him in the fucking river. Right. Um, is th- like, what do you think that was? Like that argument was like, what was that disagreement? I assume it was something with to do with. Okay, wait, actually, I could be getting a lot of things wrong in terms of timeline, but I assume he probably wanted some to do something to uh, Piltover involving, like, science and whatever with, like, the Shimmer. Like, it was, I assume there was something he wanted to do with Shimmer or, like, medical experimentation that would give them a leg up over Piltover, and Vander was like, mm, that's a bad idea. We don't want to create a drug problem, CIA. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was more that he something to do with like collateral damage. Like Silco had something to do with, obviously Vander did as well, like the uprising. But I, I felt yeah. it was something about like, yeah, collateral damage and civilians, and Vander yeah, was not here for that shit. Doesn't Vander lead the like the assault over the bridge in the first episode? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was because yeah, we don't have like a timeline. I thought it was like. Silco found out that he was working with the cops and like there was a confrontation like I don't know there's not really an answer to it Um, but in any case like I do appreciate the villain I do appreciate Silco Mm because I think he's surprising like I I think that that moment at the end of episode three where he hugs Powder and tells her it's going to be okay like that was I, I felt that emotional shift where I was like oh this is actually not what I was expecting from him at all it's yeah. like it's it's a manipulation but it's also a genuine manipulation he thinks he's doing her a kindness well um, at the at the end of the series when when he's like 
I wouldn't have given her right. up, you know, and I, I, that was very surprising to me. And I, I, I mean, I, they had established that he cared for her, but I, I, I really enjoyed that. I think that he is a, an interesting villain. Um, I also am just a sucker for like parent child relation or like, I don't know, bad guy with being good with kid. I just, yeah. I, but I really is like he that. Good with her, okay, being, being nice to kid. I, I really like bad guy is really nice to kid. <laughs> okay. With Silker and Powder, like at the end of episode three, it just it was very much like trauma recognizing trauma, right? Even though I feel like Silker's trauma was probably self induced. Right. You know, he was abandoned by his friends for something that he did, um, like abandoned by Vander and all that for something that he did and powder is a small child and probably didn't deserve to be punched in the face. I will go that far, but, <laughs> um, you know, in that moment at the end of episode three, it's definitely like, Oh, I see you. I know what you're going through. I'm there. Like I've been there. And like, that's why he takes her, like adopts her essentially. Right. Yeah. But, it's, it's a poisonous love. It's, it's I, so bad. He loves her, but it's very much him whispering in her ear, it's just us. You don't need anyone else. Don't trust any. It's you and me. Right. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's manipulative. It's very manipulative. Yeah, and in it's interesting. I think it was interesting because usually when you think of manipulative relationships like that, you think of like bad intention all along. Like, I know I'm being, I know I'm twisting her, but I need her for whatever, you know, in, at least in most media. Whereas I think this is probably more realistic because in the real, in real life, you know, toxic relationships, whether they be parental or relationships are toxic because I think, you know, the, the person we think of as the bad guy or the abuser thinks that they're justified and what they're doing is genuine and, and comes out of real concern where it, it, we can see that it kind of doesn't, but in their mind, they think what they're doing is right and good for that character which I See, thought I, was a complexity I wasn't expecting from this show. And maybe I misinterpreted it. Oh, and I'm so glad that uh, Silco wasn't grooming um, Powder because there was like right. one episode in there where I felt mm-hmm. like that's where this was going to go. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like yeah. a paternal relationship with her. And I was like, oh, thank goodness, because right. I probably would have rage quit. People yeah, do I, I, have that reaction. Like, like I said, I've been watching a lot of reaction videos and it's specifically like the scene where it's an episode four where like she's giving him his weird eye medicine. Um, and like the fact that she's very touchy with him, like it's very, like, I didn't read anything creepy in that. I just thought it's like a very tender father daughter thing, but like the fact that they're so close and there's been such a large time gap, like there are definitely people out there who kind of like cringe from that scene. They're like, is this like, what is the dynamic here? Is this sexual or is this familial, you know? And Obviously, we like by the end of the show, it's like it was never sexual. But there is that question, especially when you're watching the show the first time and you don't know where it's going. Yeah, there's go a ahead. few times. Yeah, it, it's, it's like, definitely like there, a please. 17 year old girl. Sorry, I was just going to say like a 17 year old girl sitting on her dad's lap. A bit weird. But if that 17 year old girl is always being treated like she's seven, that's not weird. Like, and that's definitely their relationship. Like she's been so infantilized by him because he lets her get away with literally murder, but what but to do whatever she wants. So like the fact that she's kind of constantly like almost infantilized by him. 
on rewatch, like that seems not creepy anymore for me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. She is kind of on the level of a child in many ways, like mm-hmm. with the like the effigies of her uh, childhood, childhood uh, friends as well, and kind of still playing with her toys in a way, I guess. Yeah, she has very poor physical ba- physical boundaries. <laughs> um, I, I just to go back to the Silco. I do like that his arc is basically. Like he becomes Vander. <laughs> that was the one thing that he never wanted to, to become was he became, in his mind, a weak man who couldn't give up family for the cause. Um, and he recognizes that. I do like that moment where he's at the fountain at the end and he kind of like he's like, oh, it all makes sense now. I, f- I finally understand the man you were and I fucking mm-hmm. killed you for it. <laughs> like, yeah, I find it interesting that he still talks to Vander. And yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a great point that he kind of becomes Vander as well, because he also contemplates uh, sort of compromising and cooperating with Piltover with the deal there. So and that's kind of like what he hated Vander for. So that's a cool arc, definitely. His death definitely made me very sad, and I'm it's, I'm kind of bummed out that he's not going to be in the second season. But yeah, he was my favorite character this season. I thought he was a good villain, short king, surprising. <laughs> Love the weird eyeball. <laughs> I've how seen you some like speculation the... that... Uh... Oh, go ahead, Peter. No, I just wanted to ask that how do you like the the subplot of uh, Silco's rebel underbosses? Oh, yeah, that guy with his lighter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do think it was, like, Savika. Like, she's just a cool henchwoman, and I did... Mm-hmm. I... Yeah, I do like that. Like at the end, she's she kind of gives him like a, a a very mild threat. She's like, "Oh, I wouldn't have betrayed you for him, but there will be others. Right. <laughs> like maybe you should treat me better, dude, <laughs> instead of giving me all the shit jobs." But the the designs for those uh the the drug lords were also very good because it was like there was the one dragon dude who had the lighter and like the golden jaw, and then there was like another lady who had like. Like weird feathers, <laughs> they and were no all no nose. The yeah, no nose. Whose kid does? Yeah, whose kid I guess was being held by for collateral or was like at an apprenticeship at the drug factory. <laughs> wasn't that their factory though? I don't remember. Because they were like drug kingpins, I guess. But yeah, that scene is kind of interesting as well. Like Silco talking about the past and how I guess these people used to be miners who were living in very bad conditions, and how he says that he brought them up from that and gave them a taste of fresh air and sunlight. And um, I guess that's kind of a glimpse into the past of this city for us. Yeah, that's like very... a... oh, go ahead, Abby. I... Yeah, I think the world building is like some of my favorite about this, which is also partially like why I like Victor so much. I just, I, I really, really like the Victorian era and like the, like this, like these terrible, like I like reading about and like exploring these like terrible conditions that people were forced to like work under and how it impacted the rest of society and stuff. So I'm, I'm really interested in the, uh, the underground and like just how shit it is. And I, I want, I hope they go more into that, I guess. One of my favorite world building details is that when the cops come to the undercity, they wear gas masks. It's like, yeah, oh, they really... don't want to breathe the air that the poor people have to breathe well, it's all the it's time. Well, because it's toxic yeah. and stuff. And I, 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 I also really thought that was super interesting. And yeah, I don't know. 
I liked that. Abby likes to read about the horrors of, oh, of, of child labor in the early 1900s. Angles can come and fuck me up. Like when I was in high school, we were talking about the like England and my professor, my teacher mentioned the conditions of the working class in England by Friedrich Engels, and I fucking bought the book and read it because I was like, <laughs> "Give me more, please." Abby loves Ooh, the shirtwaist uh, triangle hair fire. Go, yeah, sorry. Kind of reminds me of this like um, poem by William Blake where he's talking about the chimney sweeps in England and that like they're working in coffins and like they're always stuffed into these really tight spaces and. Yeah, I get that. That was kind of a social critique poem at the time that kind of stuck with me. Uh, it, it's kind of like, um, God, he wrote Jonathan Swift. Uh, he was a satirist from back in the day. Anyway, he um, wrote this whole thing of like why the Irish should eat their own children, but it was meant to be satirical. But oh, the modest um, proposal. Oh, are you talking yeah. about the? Oh, who was it that said like it was um, uh, who, Malthus, where he was like, poor people should like eat their kids because they're breed like rabbits and therefore they have like enough children or something oh my god it was it was really fucked up <laughs> <laughs> but yeah anyway alex did you have a theory about silico that you wanted to share yeah i read speculation that uh jinx might you know hallucinate phantasm having a Fishbone speak to her with Silco's voice, so we might still hear him as a character, like in her mind. But uh, it might Fishbones, that's that's her bazooka. That's, that's her rocket gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like she did build it as a tribute to him. Yeah, it has the scar on the eye, like him. Yeah. And he loves his sea monsters. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a very yeah. cool. Very cool like she has connection. like her effigies of like other people that she's been involved in their death, like her childhood friends. It would be like this weird thing where she just keeps adding to it, if as every loved one dies. Like cool, like, I mean, sad and tragic, but like I would like that. It, it's a oh, yeah, thing. yeah, sorry. Before, yeah. before that, <laughs> although yeah, I guess I mean the other ones didn't. We didn't actually like hear them hear them speak, so it might it might not be an actual like voice actor come through. I think we did hear Milo at least in a few really? scenes. Yeah, that's actually one of the things about the animation that I forgot to mention earlier that I really like the uh, portrayal of mental states in the animation, especially Jinx's like a standout moment is when she sort of hallucinates Caitlin smirking evilly at her at the bridge. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like all those kind of yeah the hallucinations of Milo and the monsters that she kind of is tormented by and all that stuff like the like the it, a lot of the stuff looks like it's crossed out with crayon and stuff like that it's mm-hmm. really cool yeah it's neat that Milo is the one who seems to be tormenting her the most <laughs> like he's like mm-hmm. the presence that looms the largest in her mind because he was the one who gave her such a hard time when she was a kid it's too real. Like, he should have given her a harder time. <laughs> not on that level, but definitely like uh, colleagues or you know other academics, the people that are always like gonna jump down your throat and like the most hypercritical of you, like they're the voice that is in your head, you know. Mm-hmm. 
I will say the the deaths of Milo and Clagger, that was like what got me into this series because I was like, fuck, <laughs> did not expect that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Milo, Milo I expected to die. Clagger, I did not. I, mm-hmm. I, well, maybe I was more. Why did, did you distinguish that? I'm curious. Like, why did you think Milo would die? I don't know. It was, I mean, no, it was just it was just instinctual uh, a sure. feeling, and also maybe um uh, personal where I would, you know. Tiger is someone I would I would have liked to, to stick around. You know, I, I just I like well, that that archetype of the the heavy being in the squad. You know, with the squad. Well, I have good news. Clagger is very much alive. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't worry, he's fine. I I have I mean I guess I should have seen it coming because. If you have characters with brightly colored hair, then you know that if you don't have brightly colored hair, you're not a protagonist. <laughs> so I, right. I should have known. I should have known. Uh, yeah. The too, unique character design um, tricked me for a little bit, but their hair was too more normal. <laughs> yeah, those two guys were kind of like, to me, kind of like just like the orc and the goblin, and like just kind of like basic, basic two two extra guys, I guess. But yeah, it kind of also reminded that little gang of like child criminals that they had reminded me of this gentleman bastard series that um uh that i read once by scott lynch where they had that dynamic of like but i guess they were more being trained by their mentor to become criminals and vander wasn't really that into it in this this instance it's got a fagin and oliver twist vibe (laughs) but not really (laughs) it's a good I mean, their deaths are good. It takes like a moment of try, what should be a moment of triumph of Powder finally figuring out her bombs and it turns it into like the most gruesome, mm-hmm. uh, like repercussion imaginable. It's, it's very eerie. Um, like everyone said, it's really what like turned the show on its head for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, you think normally, you know, it looks like they're setting up like this is going to be the pack we're going to be seeing for the whole series. And then, oh, nope, never mind. <laughs> yeah, this kid just murdered these other kids. Right. It's definitely the moment when you're like, okay, this show isn't going to be anything like I thought it was going to be. But that's a good thing. Yeah, n- no more kid shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a cool transition in the show. Um, should we talk about any of the people up there in the shiny city? Sure. I mean, I really, I really liked Mel. I hope she's not dead. Yeah, she's I liked lot. Caitlin she's the one a lot. I'm most worried about, and, and yeah, obviously I, Caitlin too. I loved Caitlin. With and Mel Victor. and the, with Mel and the council, like for okay, just one thing, like that last scene, the last, the last scene of the last episode is so good, um, but it does make me like, are they all fucking dead? Like everyone? I doubt it. I doubt Mel, Jace. I mean, obviously, like <laughs> Chase is not gonna die. But, um, right. I, yeah, no, I doubt they're all dead, but yeah, but like Mel is, is right in the front of the blast. And I well, really here's like the thing. Like I, she does like a little thing at the end. Like she does like a little thing that it seems like she's going to stop the, the, uh, the missile or whatever, the rocket. Um, so I think like, this will be like where we learn her leak character powers and she becomes a leak character. She can like shield them or something. Okay. She does have that shimmer on her that, back. Now to be clear, she's not a lead character yet, so she doesn't have powers, quote unquote, but I'm just assuming that's where they're going to go with it. Like that she ends up having powers. So I'm not, I'm not using previous information. I'm just, she just seems like the kind of person who'd become a, a video game character. So. Yeah, I, I, I would really... hope so. And yeah, there is that, there's that flash, which almost seemed like a Spidey sense type thing. It was, it was weird to it. 
Um, but yeah, obviously, I hope she's still alive. Although, you know, I, you know, they could they could use her death to bring in, you know, whatever that other country is that that she or Nazis. land or whatever that yeah that she's from and like bring in like warriors from there and and have that like conflict being kind of expanding out the world in the second season. So we'll see. I I hope she's still alive. I what kind she of powers would she have though? Just like some like shieldy magic, I assume. She's like I don't know. I, I truly don't know. I'm just she's like a very diplomatic or a diplomat who Maybe. wants to resolve things peacefully. Definitely the support a, lane. She was a surprising character because she does start out the show as a, like kind of like a very like spidery manipulator. Like she's willing to invest from a distance to sort of like see the way the wind blows. Um, but by the end of it, you know, she actually does care about Jace, and I think her backstory like goes a long way to explain mm-hmm. the way, like why she is the way she is, and like the way her approach to diplomacy is different from her mother's, and like the relationship between her and her mom is also complicated. Like, I do like that one scene with her and her mother, where her mother, who is just like this terrifying. Right. like uh, imperialist kind of breaks it down she's like i couldn't keep you around because you like you weakened me you, weakened me. you made me yeah. doubt my convictions because you you looked at me like i was a monster like That's that right. was yeah that was it was unexpected um but it also mm-hmm. felt very real it's like yeah i i buy that motivation for this family separation in the flashback mm-hmm. where she watches that other girl get her head cut off like that was yeah fucking good stuff that's like game of thrones shit <laughs> oh yeah that was cool i like the parallel of the you must be both the fox and the wolf that's a cool dialogue there wolf has no mercy yeah um all right i gotta head out so you guys can be spoilery you. now um i think i said Hi. everything i wanted to say so thanks for I joining look- yeah, I look forward to listening to the rest of this. Just put a spoiler warning when you guys are going to talk about spoilers so that I can turn that part off. <laughs> oh, will do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a good rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. You too. Good day. Bye, Abby. Later, Abby. Can we talk about Victor? <laughs> yes. Yes. Let us talk he's, about Victor. Oh, he's the one story one that felt the incomplete was... to me. Say, say that again? Yeah. It was this. He was his. Excuse me. His was the story that what? That felt that felt like incomplete to me. His was the one that just that felt lacking in terms of like a conclusion, where it really was just kind of like left hanging. Uh, where you know, it's there. In in terms of like uh, characters getting screen time or whatever, you know, the obviously we don't get as much from you know we get more from certain characters than we do others, but it all it all felt natural with the flow of it, except for for him, where it just it felt incomplete whereas you know a lot of the characters like vi and and jace or whatever you know kind of reach you know we, we can call them like level ups or whatever but you know reach transitions in their storyline and and their kind of general attitude and and makeup but whereas him it just felt like with the conclusion of the hex tech experiments just weren't like weren't done yet and weren't complete and um that was like kind of like the one thing i was somewhat disappointed about and and the that weird like that weird death like of that girl like just came out of nowhere and it's like just didn't i don't know it, it was it was odd it didn't it, it didn't quite 
feel the impact it was supposed to and like is she that random character you see in, in you know when he was a kid like i don't know it was it was a little odd but um the dynamic with between him and him and jace was was good especially that yeah. um that that dual play of of them both <laughs> inter- interrupting each other's jumps off the cliff which was yeah. kind of <laughs> literally yeah i like yeah, the I- all I was going to say is I, I thought it was interesting because I thought I felt like when we first saw Victor, you know, cozying up to um, to Jace, I was like, OK, this is definitely the evil corrupting influence coming in here. And then they went in a totally different direction. So I like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe I was looking for a more simplistic storyline. I don't know if maybe in my head because it was animation or not or whatever. But but all of these characters and but particularly Victor were ones that didn't go where I thought they were going to go. And I, I, I liked, you know, his vulnerability and his trauma and all, and how that, that character went in directions I wasn't expecting that I liked. I like the body horror aspect of it yeah. and the, cor- the slow, like the very quick corruption of like, it, there's like three flashbacks in a row with him where it's like when he's first, when he's a little kid and he meets that guy with his giant salamander and he's like, OK, I'll help you take care of the salamander. And then he finds out that the way to keep the salamander alive is to, to basically keep it in a state of pain and torture. And he can't deal with it. But then later, when he finds out he's dying and his body is deteriorating, he comes back. He's like, I get it now. Like, you have to keep <laughs> stay alive by any means necessary. I'm hanging on by a fingernail and my my integrity is not what it was now because I'm dying. Like that yeah, felt like real. I love to the me. line from the doctor where he's like, "But you're not here about the plant, are you?" No. <laughs> That's so fucking good. Yeah, but the difference is like Victor's okay with treating himself like the salamander, but the salamander had no mm-hmm. choice to be treated that way. Um, yeah. The thing that disappointed me, I think, the most with the Victor character is like that sex scene with like. Um, Jason Mel and like Victor and his research and I was just getting like really big like breakfast club vibes where the nerd ends <laughs> up with the essay and everyone else ends up with like a partner um, and I'm like oh poor Victor like, but science Victor. is like sex for him he's his mistress I, know, I don't think that was the implication of this <laughs> no no he was getting his kicks his blood it was like this is what's the heart of the cosmos is blood and sex <laughs> swirling together because that's the scene also where like his blood goes into the hex cube for the first time yeah that that was definitely one of those like standout animation scenes when i really like that foregrounded the animation for me where i was like oh wow this is really beautiful art here (laughs) like that's kind of like made me step outside the scene i guess the hex cube getting increasingly organic is a very neat detail like as it becomes like throbby and membrane is you can understand a little bit uh hamster dudes fears <laughs> that have been kind of like brushed over because because nobody else was alive when he saw like this like i don't know like mage holocaust that happened 300 years ago it begins to feel more more relevant as victor is staring down at like this flesh cube that just ate that one woman <laughs> Uh, it's the price of progress, though. Sure, you got to sacrifice a few lab assistants every now and then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's as you do. Glorious evolution. As um, you do. 
it's only the smart that actually get up to like, you know, not being a lab assistant anymore. Um, no, sorry, I don't think that's how laboratories work. Um, that's mm-hmm. fine. What I don't do. get about like Heimdinger. That's his name, right? Heimerdinger, the professor guy. Heimerdinger. Yeah, is that like you have characters like Victor Wright who show the horrors of like the undercity, and then yeah, you you fluffy little rodent live in your golden tower and do nothing for the suffering of other people until you get kicked out of it, and then you're like, oh look, I can make a thing for a small child. I know you're suffering now. <laughs> Fuck off, fluffball. <laughs> Heimerdinger is like Yoda, basically. Like he like is apparently very smart, but he's really bad at reading the room. <laughs> he's totally like Yoda. Like Pretty complex. a couple of levels down a Corathon and get some education. He's complicated though in that he I mean, yeah, he he has not left the house in three hundred years and so like his understanding of the of how the city works is extremely limited and ignorant. Uh, by his very basic observations at the end where he's like, oh, you have to have something to live for. <laughs> but also, I mean, he does have like lifetimes of experience and is like has knowledge of of like the past that other people really can't relate to. And that like his warnings kind of fall like obviously that like keeps him like from it's it puts him in the way of progress. But it also feels like, like there's this looming threat of cataclysm that kind of hangs over the show now where it's like what the like what the hell happened at the beginning of the city like what happened with like the mages and like i don't know anything about league of legends lore so maybe that's like something that's like answered in the games but like that part of like the deep lore is interesting to me it's like what happened to the mages like did the city get destroyed like what what's this about I do think his complacency and even just the fact that he is so old and has so much life experience is, an, is just kind of a fundamental contrast with Victor, right? Because Victor's whole thing is that he doesn't have any time and Heimerdinger has all the time in the world. So how does the fact that you have all this time kind of shape your personality and how you approach things and how does your complete lack of time also do the same? And I think that's what creates problems for Victor is that like he wants to do good things, but he doesn't have the time to do it, so he has to take shortcuts, and he ends up, you know, every time he tries to do a good thing, he does something bad. Like, he just, every time, it, it goes bad for him. And that's, I, I just think that that's going to be where he's at, where, like, he has this noble purpose to him, but he is just, he kind of is the type of person who just, like, destroys everything around him, kind of inevitably. Yeah, I kind of, like, had the sense that I felt that Victor was, like, the best person, like, the most morally good person of the cast, in some way, but he does get into... Yeah, Jace gets laid and stops caring. <laughs> right? What is that? There's a statement right there. <laughs> Philosophy right there. He does want, I mean, I, I, I guess, I forget who said it earlier. I mean, yeah, he he's willing to do, uh, inflict sort of like unscrupulous science, but only on himself, right? It's, I mean, what happened to that girl was an accident. He's kind of He's doing. He wants to do good for the world, and he's willing. He's willing to make himself the uh, like the Jekyll and Hyde guinea pig to make it happen. Which I guess like shows like a, a certain amount of integrity, even if it's reckless. Yeah, like um, I guess his like the doctor character is kind of his other mentor in addition to Heimerdinger, and I guess that he's kind of maybe presented as Victor's kind of 
more unethical side or his his kind of um his willingness to experiment in those more radical ways and um i really like that um that relationship between the doctor singed and victor in that way like the line that nature has made us intolerant to change but fortunately we have the capacity to change our nature and that whole like idea there Right, yeah, Singed is a solid background character, and, and yeah, obviously he's also, you know, he's the same guy that that helped Silco with all the, the Shimmer stuff, um, and kind of, you know, creating that formula and all that, so, um, you yeah, know, I really, he's he's just like a solid guy, you know, solid background character, you don't, you don't kind of <laughs> realize is as impactful as he is. Yeah, he's definitely that, like, mad scientist archetype, but I feel like he's, um, a bit more nuanced but than the stereotype because he's kind of he's not malicious he's kind of uncaring and <laughs> and harmful but he's kind of i don't know you get that he's polite and kind of a nice guy in in his own way <laughs> but he does get up with some heinous shit but yeah, yeah i like him he knocks silko out because well on like a practical level he's like i don't need you interfering with my work but also he's like you don't want to see this you don't want to see what i'm about to do to your daughter because i once had a daughter like it's a very it's a small throwaway line, but it, it it adds shading to what is a background character. Yeah, he definitely gave me like um the dad scientist vibes in like Full Metal Alchemist when he turns his daughter into a chimera. It's like I have a feeling that there's a reason that his daughter died. Yeah. Thank you. That's now yeah, giving you my nightmares again. Nina, was that the girl's name? Nina and, yeah. uh, what was the dog's name? I don't remember. I know. I, I just have, like, them splatted against the wall, like, deeply embedded in memory. <laughs> Only 2005 <laughs> kids remember. But yeah. yeah I, so I, I wonder that. wonder who was hanging in, in the, scene, oh, the doctor's workshop at the end there. If you would like to take a look at the screenshot, I've got it on the dock here. This looks like there's some sort of creature that has big claws and a little bit of fur as well. Hmm, I wonder who that might be. I think it's a clagger. <laughs> oh, probably, definitely. There is an an there is an answer in this, but it is a spoilery answer. Yeah, it is. Yes. Hmm. Well, let's let's keep going with the non-spoilery stuff then. I suppose. Do you want to talk about Caitlin? Oh yeah, there's that character as well. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what did you feel? How did you feel about Caitlin? Um. So I think that I think that uh, this character could be really boring is like, I mean, she's basically like a fish out of water trying to establish herself in a corrupt system, essentially. Um, and I think I don't know, like, I think that what makes her cool to me is that uh, basically that like she is, um, I don't know, like th there's just a sense that she's willing to like push further the boundaries uh, than you'd expect from like someone that was like. I don't know, like ostensibly like on the good side of things that she's willing to like get her hands dirty. And I don't know, she like has that kind of like that, that kind of like, um, how would I like the like 
the pull to the dark side, I guess. Like there's like that pull. And I'm curious to see how that gets fleshed out further. Like she's definitely underdeveloped in this season, I think, relative uh, to curious, some other characters. Uh, how do you feel like that pull to the dark side is manifested for Caitlin? I I just think like uh, you, first. I mean, first of all, like when we first see her, there's like the like innocence and in that like uh, I don't like any of this, but I, I there's like a sense that she's like in some way, uh, and maybe this is just my perception of it, but that that she's some in some way drawn to it. I think I just get that feeling from how she responds to this stuff. I, I don't really have like a lot of good like examples no, like to it, but I just have getting the ship on progress day. She's like captivated by it. Well, yeah, and willing to kind of like break the rules and do things that are necessary to her own. Like she's just like very like. She just like wants to do a good job and she doesn't really care about the consequences of of doing so. She doesn't she she's just she's I'm sorry, I'm having a really hard time explaining it, but <laughs> she she like she's like like gets obsessive about the thing that she wants to achieve, right? And and once that once that gets there, she's willing to try anything. Like I just think that's an interesting oh, character interesting. trait where she gets like very motivated towards a particular goal. That's um and, interesting. And, I sort and, of and, thought of her as more sort of like traditionally morally good as kind of like a girl scout character who's very much uncorrupt in a corrupt uh, police force but yeah that point about the obsession is definitely accurate yeah there's something particular about that about like the the desire or like the obsession again to like pursue a goal relentlessly and how that kind of warps the way that you approach things i think that's interesting and particular to her yeah she certainly has follow through um but yeah, no, she, 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 she's still relatively early in her, her character arc, um, as she, you know, wasn't a huge focal point, um, all the time during the season. Um, but yeah, obviously still, still liked her character and yeah, love, love the dynamic between her and Vi. I was joking earlier about like it being a, a U-Haul romance. Cause it does feel a little, it's been three days, and then they're standing yeah. in the rain. They're like, "What about us?" And it's like, "What us?" Like, yeah, that's I, I don't believe that's where I was. I was like, I don't care. "What? When did this happen? Did I miss an episode?" <laughs> I mean, I get that like they're both super hot and kind of like have been this traumatic episode with each other. So there's this this uh, the sapphic pull between them. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, maybe maybe a couple more conversations might have might have helped make that relationship a little more robust. They're both. Yeah, I, I went from it's feeling fine. like. <laughs> I, I went from feeling like gay baited to like, oh, wait, no, not at all. OK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this feels underdeveloped. Hmm. Also, the alacrity of going from 15 years plus of I fucking hate cops to. Just forget about me, cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> the speed of things is a little is a little suspect. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of for both characters. That's the first time that they're actually had any real interaction with someone from the other side as well. Yeah, I mean, Fair point. Vi has very large arms, so I can. <laughs> Understand. <laughs> fair, fair. Caitlin Just is add... also like six feet tall, so that's also pretty great. <laughs> According um, to like her concept art, she's like towering over all the other characters. <laughs> Just to add like a little more to the thing I'm trying to say is like I guess a, a little bit of a comparison would basically be like Batman, where like she is as you say, like she's committed to like 
the truth and the corrupt system, but also she's like when she like tries to achieve that end, there's definitely going to be some consequences to the way that she approaches it kind of in this single minded way where there's going to be some collateral damage when you try to just you really want to be the cool detective badass like it's going to have consequences, too. So that's kind of where I'm getting at with how I see her. Yeah, sell a piece of jewelry and open a soup kitchen, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's better ways yeah. than being a cool cool detective, probably, to change the world, but that's what she wants. So. Yeah, maybe we could talk about that sort of conflict that is, that's explored in the show more generally with um, like the understanding that the Vander and the old Sheriff Grayson have, mm-hmm. and that sort of plot line also surfaces when Jace gets made a counselor, and he kind of mm-hmm. wants to have all integrity and honesty and no corruption, but then he Mel kind of talks him into being more diplomatic and making deals with the other counselors. I hope you said talked him into in air quotes there because I heard that with air quotes. Um, no, there were no yeah. no air quotes here. Yeah, okay, but... well, yes, she was very convincing. Air quotes. Um, no, I I um I loved like Vander and Avasarala. Um, no, no, Grayson, Grayson, Avasarala. I like that. Every time I hear her voice, that's what I hear. But yeah, yeah. Um, also, I an admiral like, in Tikvorian a... fleet. Yeah, she's Tally's aunt. <laughs> yeah, I love her voice, obviously. Yeah, oh, so good. Yeah, and um, when she pops up again in like Caitlin's flashback and that kind of thing, like I wish. I, I want the prequel of like Xander and Grayson working together. Like, how did that come about? That's mm-hmm. interesting. Like, I like both of their compromises in that, um, that they both have found a way to work together, even though it's not the best, but it's the best that they can come up with because everything else has failed. I do like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's enough people in the Undercity. Just, I don't understand how, like, Vanda's, like, revolution didn't work. There's so many people. Like, <laughs> come on, eat the rich. I mean, we have plenty of real-world examples about revolutions <laughs> that, you know, didn't lead to much change. I mean, I think there's a sadness to to the to the relationship between Vander and Grayson, and it's, like, something that he's upholding based on his own trauma that he does, but he doesn't necessarily like that about himself. Um, because I mean like that very first scene where we see Vi and, and powder looking for their parents on the bridge, like, like he led a revolution and everyone got killed. It, like, it makes sense to me that like for the rest of his life, as he gets older and he takes care of his kids, like he, he wants to protect them from that. He wants to protect his friends from that. He, and so he compromises in ways that are kind of, at odds with with his ideals and what he actually believes in and that's the same thing with jace where like he he has like these very like ironclad beliefs in the way the world should be but like when he's up like he's swimming in like this dirty ocean he can't <laughs> like you know he can't stay clean like he has to right. to play by the rules and i think there's like it's 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 not like a good thing but it's like what he has to do to get any sort of results yeah, he has to play the game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, I felt I had the feeling about Vander that sort of like that's first scene where he sees Vian Powder that that's kind of like what breaks his fighting spirit because when we first see him in that scene he looks like kind of like a bloodthirsty monster, but then his like expression softens and he like yeah he takes them home, 
and that's kind of like the reason why he he pulled off the attack, I guess, and all the the human cost of war in that sense, and uh, I guess what Silco called the base violence needed for change, and uh, Vander just didn't have the stomach for that once he yeah. saw the reality of that. Well, when you also, I mean, when you accept like that you're going to be a surrogate father for these people, that just makes you more vulnerable and right. and exploitable. Right. So that's what happens to him, basically. And it's kind of inevitable. It happens to Silco as well. So it just happens. But who knows what will happen next season, because, <laughs> like, <laughs> a bomb, like, the council just got yeah. exploded. <laughs> It feels like, I mean, I feel like that's kind of like the the thesis for the whole show is, is like these ruptures and then, and then like the fallout, which inevitably like does it lead to any sort of change? And usually the answer is no. Usually it, it leads to a doubling down of the old status quo with, with the people on the bottom suffering the most for it. But I don't know. It's it's like maybe this show is building to something else maybe like the, the show is building to say that nothing ever changes or maybe the show is saying that this is the time things change um yeah progress day and all that stuff and guess <laughs> we have the uh, episode called the boy savior referring to echo in that line of dialogue from jinx but that also kind of can refer to jace as he kind of is seen as the boy savior by the city and by himself as well. If you refer to the <laughs> picture on the talk where he has that um, crayon picture where he has drawn himself as a hero with a big hammer, <laughs> and, uh, and that's what he <laughs> ends up turning. Then he himself made himself a big hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, but, and it turns out that you can't solve things with a big hammer. <laughs> Sometimes you kill kids, and that changed everything for him. Yeah, that is sometimes what happens. Yeah, I guess like, uh, I guess Savika is now in charge of the Undercity then? I guess so. It's her ship now. <laughs> she, she's I'm waiting. Here for that. Yeah, she's waiting for Silco to come back at the end, but he's never going to. So, I don't know. Like, she seems like a number two, like a lifelong number two in some ways. Maybe Jinx will come back and she's like, well, I'm queen now. And, and like, you're my I, lieutenant. I love that idea. She can't. She can't lead a title team because she's she's the number two option. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I would be surprised if like, I mean, who knows? It could be either of those things. It could be that she ends up working for someone else, or she she steps up and becomes a a player. Yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty on where everything goes next. I mean, we have we have a lot to figure mm-hmm. out. In terms of like every single character, essentially, like what, where do they go? There's not, a, there's not anything clearly laid out. I don't think for anyone. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like when they were writing this, they were planning on a second season, or do you feel like that was kind of the end of the story? I'm not clear, like where anyone would go from here at all. <laughs> I'm not sure either, because it's such a mean cliffhanger. If they were to just end it here, like if that they thought like, okay, that's the ending. It's a very mean way to end a story. Yeah. But at the same time, I it, the the table, like I was saying, is so like reset, right? So like at the same time, yeah. you could perceive this as like, okay, this was the storyline. But there's still a lot of stuff we would like to see. I think with a lot of, like like we talked about, like Caitlin, Victor, these characters who we we didn't feel like we got the conclusion we want yet. So there's that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of felt that even though it did have a big 
cliffhanger that it kind of did feel kind of relatively self-contained to me and I would be happy even if there wasn't a second season. I mean, I'm obviously eager to see more, but like um, this was such a good experience for me that that um, I'm almost happy leaving it as it is as well. But I guess there's also the idea that there's the sort of all the lore in the game as well, and I can dig into that if I want to to kind of get more of this stuff. But obviously, getting it in the better form of the story and the animation of the series would be preferable. Yeah, I think at this like point. we're getting to spoiler chat. Yeah, maybe <laughs> we're getting there. Sorry, I, if I had a tail, it would be wagging. <laughs> <laughs> Unless people have another another uh, character they would like to talk about in the non-spoiler section, we could go in talking into about all that sweet League of Legend lore. The one thing I would say is I feel like. You know, we've actually talked very little about Jace, given that he's like one of the main characters of the show, and I and I wonder if that's just and because of the way goodness. his story is. I mean, maybe that's just the way his story is. That even though he's a major character, he's kind of like background. <laughs> yeah, I don't find boring. him super interesting. Yeah, he's kind of boring, and uh, yeah, I guess his relationship with Victor is is kind of cool, and and that's just our sort of point of view in the upper city. Is him, but yeah, I, I I maybe feel like Jace is almost like the most unlikable of the characters in some way. He's the most easily swayed, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of pull, like he he he's he's easily pulled like who by whoever's talking to him at the time. He does have one cool moment though when he's talking to Silco and he's like, "I got a glimpse of what war between us would look like. Your yeah. people wouldn't stand a chance." Yeah. Like completely takes Silco off guard, and it's like, yeah, that's probably right. Like the rich people up on the hill would probably crush the Undersendy again. But yeah, other than that, he's kind of the the Boy Scout um, who gets led by the nose by the by the women in his life. <laughs> I'm kind of curious to see the next stage of that, like when he kind of establishes more autonomy, possibly or or not. Like, how does that take shape? I'm very curious about that. If he's alive. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah, like I to see him kind of like yeah. a little incredible how he kind of became the head of the council, de facto head yeah. of the council, as they said. Like I, I get that Mel can kind of be more of that like puppet master behind the sh- behind the scenes kind of uh, power, but yeah, it kind of felt weird to me that they all just kind of accepted Jace as their leader. But I guess uh, it's kind of slim pickings on the council anyway after Heimendinger left. It'd be like if Jeff Bezos like became the head of Congress or something. <laughs> I just want to know how someone with shoulders like that broad just doesn't have a spine. Yeah. It's just so, like, ugh. You're meant to be sm- like, okay, no, that that's me being cruel. Um, I was about to say, like, he's meant to be smart, but he's so dumb. But yes, he's good with technology, but he's not good with people. Um, and being thrust in a high political office must be incredibly confronting for someone who hasn't prepared their entire life for it. Um, but yeah, I did find it really weird that he ended up as like defector head. And for someone with such great morals, like strong moral like, fortitude or whatever, he's really okay with like turning his back on like, his person, um, Fluffball, I'm, I'm a something. 
Doom artifact. So yeah, it's very different. Uh, yeah. So again, yeah, there's a lot of room for how they how they interpret all this stuff, and I, I think in that case, right, yeah, like Victor, he's not just doing it for his own gratification. It will be something consequential to him trying to do good or trying to do something with Jace or whatever. Like there'll be more pathos and like logic and reason to why he goes that path. Not like I want to be a robot. <laughs> I'm gonna. Yeah, he doesn't. I, I'm, I haven't really read much into Victor, but he talks about glorious evolution and stuff like that in his in-game box. I think. Yeah, hopefully there's a more deft way to weave that in than just like I'm gonna become a big cool robot. Is, uh, like whose side is he on? Is he like fighting for um, Zone or the underworld in the lore, or is he just kind of a lone wolfer? Is that when does the does the lore well, go into that? Correct me if I'm wrong. I only <laughs> think of the glorious revolution as like a transhumanist thing. Like that's how I view it. But is there like a political motive? No, I think I said glorious evolution. I think it's yes, our evolution. Revolution. Our revolution. So yeah, there's no like political agenda for him. He just wants to like transcend his human form, right? Yeah, that's the whole line about. We have the capacity to change our nature. And yeah, I guess be dying from like a poison poison air might make you feel like that. <laughs> and 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 like the guy with the um. In Jace's flashback, the mage guy is that what is that a character from the lore who teleports him and his mother to safety off the mountaintop? I read that it was that he's like a, a powerful mage guy. I like I to see that again. I'm not sure. There is one mage look. character who does do teleportation, but he is he is blue skinned. So I don't think it's yeah, it doesn't really fit. But maybe like it's a different interpretation of that character. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean the I guess the character designs uh, compared to show to the game, they are quite different a little bit. Like I guess there's a more of a grounded tone to it in the in the show. Looking at like Echo and well, maybe not Echo, but maybe Vi and Caitlin definitely. And Heimerdinger. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I guess like if it was, is it Rice or Reese or whatever the mage character's name is, the powerful arc mage, that that might have been him. Possibly. Is Alex, this I know a... you're dying what? to talk about Swain. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, yeah, all the crows. That? He's like a warg who can project his consciousness into crows. Has he been spying on everything that's been happening? Are oh, you talking about the leader of Noxus? Yeah. Uh, not well, yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another dude who's the emperor, and then Swain is just the like commander of the army. Oh, okay. So that kind of invites the question of like going forward: Do they stick within Piltover slash Zon? Like, is this always going to be the setting, or are they going to use like the many other pieces of the world that has been established? I guess that that's uh, an interesting to, kind they of. They have to be expanding. Yeah, there there was too much hints to to Mel's home world. Like the, they have to expand into that next season. I feel. Yeah, the only yeah, concern with like that is that if the characters they've established, but yeah, they probably expanding more than just like having season two in like another part of the world entirely. I think is out of the question. But yeah, yeah we that's had the Noxus coming in, and I guess like some of the other regions might come into it as well. Yeah, that's the balance they kind of have to negotiate, right? Because when you widen the scope and you try to introduce all this other stuff, there's a risk of it being diluted. 
Whereas, like, you could very plausibly, like, have a continuous storyline just in Piltover and Noxus that you could flesh out. But I don't think that's what they'll do. But it's going to be it's going to kind of be defining of how this show and this this whole project ends up going is like, can they balance that in a way that continues to be interesting and compelling? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, they can certainly change episode counts too. you know, whatever. I have a question about the deep lore. Um, so is it say like in League of Legends, like what happened to the city before with the mages? Like, did the mages destroy themselves or were they all hunted down or what? So Piltover's on lore is a bit different in the game. There's none of this. It has nothing to do with the rune wars. They, um, in the game, the city is actually was named Zon, and Piltover was just a district of the city. But they accumulated enough wealth, power, and were gentrified or whatever until they just seized control of the body politic. Right? We're the city of Piltover now. Uh, it has nothing to do with the rune wars. Oh. But there was like yeah, a I, mage war in the lore. So yes. Yeah, I think there's like different. Uh, different approaches to the mages in the different countries, because like the like the shiny shiny human kingdom of Demacia, they they are uh, I guess they're all human kingdoms, but anyway, yeah, they uh, they've got more of a like a dragon age type of approach to mages, where they lock them up in these like um what's that kryptonite <laughs> sort of cells that where they can't use magic, and then there's like witch hunters and stuff like that. And mage uprisings, but the but in Noxus, which we saw in the show, they sort of more weaponize their mages and give them like a place in the army and use them to be useful, I guess. I'm always here for a mage uprising. <laughs> <laughs> I will say from from Heimerdinger's comments about you know what he witnessed in the past, I don't think it's a hundred percent that it necessarily all that stuff he witnessed occurred in, you know in the same place where we're at. Just because of how old he is, he could have moved around. Is it does the whole does the lore all take place on one planet or is it different planets? Uh, <laughs> there's like extraterrestrial forces for sure, but most of the stuff like that happens is on the planet. Yeah, isn't one of the heroes in the game like a constellation or something? <laughs> yeah, he's like a god, uh, <laughs> star god, star god, yeah. Well, there's a couple of star guys in there. Though. I was talking about the dragon guy. Yeah, and there's like a void thing. There's like a like other dimension and all this stuff, and that could actually come into play. I would say, like, I, I see that being a thing potentially, especially with the way they're approaching the magic and the, all the Victor stuff. Yeah, like there was the like the Heimerdinger's flashback of like the nuclear explosion magic explosion thing could that be like the character brand from league of legends who's this like fire mage who's kind of out of control and and uh kind of a crazy world burning guy i believe i have heard that opined but i don't know i don't know at all for sure who this is supposed to be yeah i don't know how old he's supposed to be but i think he's like the Rises Apprentice or something. So I guess just I trying mean, to speculate on it. How do you think that the whole Noxus stuff, like, how do you see that being introduced and being, like, put into conflict with what we already have? If you guys have any thoughts on that. I mean, like, I think my general guess would be that they just start with, like, just bringing, basically bringing some character, like, 
um, Mel's mom or whatever, like brings a delegation or, or just, you know, bring some of her people over to perhaps like get more involved in, in this. And I, you know, I don't necessarily, um, think that we would, you know, see too much of it if, if at all, but basically just kind of have like kind of a slow interweaving of bringing some characters from that, that place over in, into this, um, city where this, this city would, would, would remain kind of the main, um, setting of, of the story is just kind of just adding in more characters getting involved in kind of the international relations, um, more yeah. in the second. And then you can show the world in flashbacks like they've done earlier with the, um, Jason. Yeah, we might get some flashbacks as well. Yeah, it might get some brief flashes of it, but that it it wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't see it be super involved right away. Yes, yeah, as, as I understand it, Noxus is kind of like this almost like social Darwinist kind of doggy dog kind of empire where or they're kind of supposed to be like a meritocracy and a very expansionist empire where they like it's like Nilfgaard, that kind of thing. Basically. Yeah, they reward strength and kind of like or want to expand and and seem to hold to their own sense of justice almost that you if you've got the strength to kind of like make something of yourself you should be allowed to but but yeah they're very cutthroat so i don't know they might with sort of piltover and and the undercity in shambles i guess they might think about invading maybe in the next season but i don't know if that would make for interesting interesting uh plot to just have like a foreign invasion happening yeah, it's just hard for me to picture, right? Because, I mean, at least to me, the Vi Jinx thing is a very clear, contained storyline, just really focused on them as characters and the tension between them. And that's really what motivates everything that we see for the most part. So, like, if it gets more political, more broader scope and, like, less character driven, I don't know if I would like that. But at the same time, I don't know what the character move is from here. Like, I, I don't know. It's just kind of hard to see, but I'm not like a, a good storyteller, so I'm sure they'll, they'll figure it out. <laughs> They're probably going to be able to suss that out and figure out what to do. Could they tell, like, parallel stories? Just like season two, like, you, it's not going to be about buying James. It's going to be about because this is what got me about all the lore, is every time you click on, like, one character on the wiki, all of a sudden, like, ten more pop up. Like, there seems to be, like, little clusters of characters that seem connected. Like, if they could do, like, a parallel story about them, or do they not have uh, as interesting connections to each other or, like, a, a background story together where it, it wouldn't really work, like, by Jinx and Piltover are really the most fleshed out already. Well, I don't think they need to be fleshed out, right? I think for me, the way to approach this is to take the concepts, right? To take the sort of like basic fundamental ideas of the characters that are created in the game or the lore and to then flesh them out. And I really think they did that here, too. It's just a, it's just a question of how they do that in a way where it all feels like it connects together in a good way. I even like had the thought it could be like an anthology thing, but I just don't think they would go that route where they like just go in a completely different direction next season. But I don't know. It's it's really hard to see what, where they'll go. Yeah, it's What happens with Heimerdinger and Singe? Hmm? I'm not sure if the story uh, says where that. Go right now? I don't know about Heimerdinger, but Singe gets... He gets recruited by the Noxians and develops, like, 
very powerful bioweapons, like Chemtech bioweapons, and uh, he's like on retainer for them in the game war. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely a ton of characters still in Piltover and Zone that weren't introduced in this show, but I'm not sure if they could expand on just using those characters, like showing what Cinch gets into and like the different cyborg monstrosities that he creates, like um, that guy's name, Urgot, I guess, as well. And, uh, and yeah, there's more people, like his Echoes, Echoes, like origin story, how he gets his powers could be one. And um, Timo. It's a bit silly, though. I don't, I'm not sure if he would hit the, fit the tone, but I mean, like maybe they could make it work with the with the Boy Scout fairy creature, I guess. He's super traumatized and uh, PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Make it make it grounded and real, gritty yeah. and realistic. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like Heimerdinger is a it's called a yordle and they're they're like fairies from another dimension if i'm if i've understood this correctly that sounds right to me yeah they're from a different like forest weird thing that the transcends dimensions i think something like that. from the feywild yeah 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 so and there's all different sorts of furballs and some of them are aquatic yordles like it kind of looks like a, I don't know, more like a fish, and they're just cute little characters that are whimsical and fun-loving, and yeah, I don't know. I guess that part of the sort of when I looked at the characters earlier in past years, that kind of turned me off the game a little bit. Like, oh, it, this has like a lot of anime girls and like cute baby animals in it like this <laughs> this game is not for me but yeah arcane definitely portrayed even that one baby animal that was in the show in in a way that i found compelling and uh, gave the lore a second chance because of that but yeah i feel like what you said earlier zach that they like how they kind of use those elements from the earlier lore like like they've done here and make it more like grounded and like i don't know very in this kind of steampunk or chempunk kind of realm that the show has used now that that sort of like limiting of the scope has definitely been a good choice and uh i hope they continue on that path yeah it's hard because there's so many characters and like there's a lot of people that are like I want to see X and Y and I want to go to this place and go here and like they just need to kind of restrain that impulse and really just focus on on the stuff that that matters for this story right yeah hundred percent see you Dana yeah, I actually have to drop off as well I think you guys yeah well. I think. I think we're kind of talked like out by now. That time. Yeah, cool. Well, so yeah, I good. definitely had my spoiler it scratched. Sorry. <laughs> cool. <laughs> or deep floor, like it scratched. Whatever. What are the two? Oh, both. Why not? But thank you. I will catch you all later. And uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks for joining. Season two has been greenlit, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. 
awesome. I mean, so there's, no, here in like there's no 18 months or so. Right. Yeah. There's, it's not going to be, it's definitely not probably going to be within like a year time span. It might take more than that, but whatever. Yeah. Happy to wait. <laughs> cool. I mean, considering it's that it's what, it's one days. of Netflix's biggest <laughs> shows. Yeah. It's hard to tell sometimes though, like what, like what they base their, their budget on, like what metrics, some of their choices are incomprehensible. Yeah, but also like Riot is probably partially paying for this. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know if money's going to be a huge issue with this one. Well, I mean, wasn't it like one of their top shows of the year worldwide? So yeah, I'm 100%. assuming Netflix is going to be willing to put up a little more cash now since it did so well. Yeah. You think? There's a lot of money behind this enterprise from every angle. Not, yeah, that, that's I mean, probably not going to be the issue. <laughs> right? Yeah, they fucking paid Sting. Like, <laughs> you know, they they literally commissioned music. Oh uh, yeah, they. I think I saw a comment like that. You didn't have to go this hard for the music for the show. But yeah, it does. <laughs> it, have, was, it was awesome, man. I mean, yeah, it, it does have an awesome soundtrack. Yeah, I've listened to that a lot. Everyone, yeah, fucking Sting, you know, Denzel Curry for the fight for the bridge scene. Um, my favorite, my favorite character in the show is the the, the Imagine Dragons cameo. Imagine Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I think the only reason they did that is because they have a sort of more established relationship with Riot as a company. So like, there's like, yeah, you can be in the show. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think JID was in there too, or yeah, they at least made a music video for it. <laughs> yeah, I watched that music video or listened to it a lot, like during that first week of Arcane, and it actually has some like character stuff and like scenes from like the kids' childhood that is, aren't on the show. So. That if you haven't seen the music video, it might be worth watching, even for that. But yeah, I think definitely my favorite song is Snakes by whatever the artist was called, because that's just like such a perfect scene and perfect song for the perfect song for the scene. All right, if you want to close this out, Peter. Sure. Yeah. Thank you all for joining me for this this uh, chat about my favorite show of the last year has been very interesting and fun and deepened my appreciation for the show. And hopefully when the next season comes up, maybe we'll do another one of these. So why not? Thank you. Um, should I, nah, I'm not going to do the fucking upcoming episodes and all that stuff. So yep. Have a good rest of your Saturday and uh, I'll see you around. Bye.